right, let's get started. So we are continuing the Family Matter series that we've been talking about. We started with honor, and then we've been going into to marriage the last few weeks. And today we're going to continue in that with family, with marriage, with kids. And if you're single, you are not discluded because that you are also included in this. We're going to talk to every single one of us today about family matters. So I thought that I would share, this has nothing to do with my message, but I thought that I would share a fun story because sometimes it's good to like start laughing because sometimes we're in worship and you're like, okay, holiness acquired. And you like step into your seat like, you know, and so we're going to laugh a little bit to start our message. So a couple weeks ago, we got back from a rodeo and I was Super, super sick, just not feeling well at all, okay? So I'm home, just mostly stayed on the couch all day drinking Theraflu and Dayquil. I alternated, don't worry, I didn't drink them all together. It was just one in each hand kind of thing um, to get better. Well, then um, I go out. It's about to get dark. Oren's not home yet, so I thought I should probably go feed and take care of the cows, check everything while it's still light um, because they're calving and you know, got to check those things. So I go out there and I'm watering. Well, Oren gets home while I'm watering the cows. And he's like, well, while you're still out here, why don't you just drive for me? Okay. What I'm driving is this super old, 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 old Dodge. Like it doesn't need help running by itself. It just goes. And it's also one of those that you can't destroy. You can just run into whatever. So that's what I'm driving. And Oren has the hay hanging off one side and this huge water tank, because we have to haul water, hanging off this size. So the mirrors, like you just can't see out of. It's impossible. So Oren says, just drive for me. Well, I also have this mini Aussie. And this dog, it's like, if he wants to die one day, he will jump off the pickup because he gets in that much trouble. Like he knows you stay on the pickup until you're told otherwise or you die. So he is on the pickup. And I'm driving, well, I, I'm going, oh my gosh, like he's taking his sweet time feeding these cows and I don't even feel well. So I'm just driving along, there's no Oren, no Oren, no Oren. Well, pretty soon I look out the side window and this dog is off the pickup and I'm like, great, he's gonna die, my dog's gonna die today because Oren's gonna get mad because he's not on the pickup. And he's jumping off the driver's side door. Like he'd run and jump while I'm driving, hit the door and bounce off and bark at me, just freaking out. So I'm like, oh, maybe if I put him on the pickup really quick, maybe Oren doesn't know that he jumped off. And so I stop and I go to put him on the pickup. Well, Oren's not on the pickup. And my dog is running and running back, running, running back, just freaking out. I'm like, great, I killed him. I don't know what I did. So I look and sure enough, right inside the gate where you like start to go into our arena, Oren is just laying <laughs> in the arena, right? So I'm going, I ran him over. I don't know how I ran him over. I thought I would feel it, but I ran him over. Well, so I, I start running over there and he just uh, throws his arm up and throws it down. I'm going, oh my gosh, like I don't even know what to do with this situation right now. So I run over there and he's laughing. He said, I was trying to shut the gate and you left me. So I just thought this was dry ground. I should lay down and saw what happened next. Okay, like seriously, I was so mad. I was like, lay there. And when I drive out of the arena, I'll just run back over you. And then I'll feel a little better about the situation. Yeah, I was so upset. But yeah, just fun family matter stuff. You all have fun stories. I thought I'd share with you this morning. But we are going to be talking about today. The title of this message is I have the choice. So everybody say that with me. I have the choice. All right, so that is the title day. We're gonna say that several times throughout the message. So that I have the choice. The choice in what? Well, I'd like to go back to the beginning. I'm just gonna paraphrase this. Where did choices really start? 
Where did they start in the Bible? So we know that was back in Eden, right? So God created this amazing place. God created what was called Eden. Everything that Adam and Eve needed was in Eden. Everything was there for them. They had everything that they needed. There was perfect unity. There was perfect fellowship with God. It says that they were naked and unashamed. Like there, it was perfect. And this was the environment that God put them in. Okay, perfection. Well, then the enemy comes in. And of course, well, and on God's side too, God told them, don't touch this tree. Okay, why? Because God doesn't want a bunch of robots. God doesn't want us not to have the choice. Again, the title of our message is, I have the choice, right? I have the choice. God gave us the ability to choose because he didn't want us to be able to, like, I, I just, I'm a robot. I, I choose God because I choose God. No, God, nobody wants a friendship like that. Like, they're my friend because they have to be. They're married to me because they have to be. Okay, we don't want that. We want somebody that wants to be with us, right? Okay, God, our relationship with God is the same. He's going, I want you to want a relationship with me. And so there's a tree here that we're not supposed to touch. Not because he's keeping anything from us, but because it's going to hurt us. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to separate us from God. So from the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve the choice. Okay, we have the choice. They had the choice to touch the tree or not touch the tree. Well, they chose to touch the tree. So they ate of the tree. And from that point, they were separated from God because sin has consequence. Sin separates us from God. And so Adam and Eve are completely separated from God. But even the grace of God in that moment where he covered them, he took care I mean, he's going, this is, this is a consequence of sin. I am separated from you now. You can no longer live in this place that I created for you to live. But I'm gonna take care of you on your way. And so they go, but they made the choice. So then we have the rest of the Old Testament that comes around and God gives us yet another choice. Okay, he sends Jesus. Jesus dies for us and for the purpose to restore Eden with us in order to restore relationship with us. God could once again have relationship with us because of the sacrifice of his son. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Okay, so now I have access to God. I have access to a life that is whole and complete and lacking nothing. I have access to joy and peace. I have access to wisdom. I have access to strength. Okay, all these things that were taken from the decision of the Garden of Eden, I now have access to again if I choose them, right? I have the choice. Jesus died. He died, but we have to make the decision to choose him. Okay? We, we good with that? Everybody? Everybody say, I have the choice. Okay. I have the choice. We have the decision to choose Jesus. Okay, here's what comes with that. Let me find my notes here. Kind of panicked for a minute. I thought I left them in my office. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. That was a little bit wimpy. You have the choice to cheer louder. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That was much better, much better. Okay, so what happened with this choice? When we choose Jesus, what happens to us? And it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Not some things, all things have become new. When I choose Jesus, again, I have the choice. But when I choose Jesus, 
all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Why? Because life happens. God knows that sin hurts. God knows that we're born into sin. God knows that we are born into a world that is filled with sin. God knows that so many things happened before we were ever here that we couldn't control that put us in the situation that we're in right now. God knew that. God knew we were where we're at in our family lives. God knew that we would have the parents that we had, the friends that we had, the family that we had. God knew that. And so many of those things were out of our control. But what God wanted to do was say, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what parents you had. I don't care what your bloodlines are. I don't care what your family was way before you. I don't care what situation you're in right now. What I want to do is present an opportunity that regardless of where you're at, you can choose to be a child of God. You can choose. Again, it's a choice. Everybody say, I have a choice. Okay, you can choose to be a child of God. That being said, God says, I wipe clean what has happened. I wipe clean. That is no longer how I look at you. When you choose me, I see you as the whole creation that I created you in. I see you perfect. I see you whole and complete, lacking nothing. I don't see you as a result of sin. I see you as a result of my son. That's how God sees us. But we have to make the choice. Okay? So we're tracking. We have to make the choice. So we had the choice in the garden that separated us from God. We now have a choice that we can receive Jesus because of his sacrifice, and now we can again have relationship with God, okay? I have that choice, and when that happens, then I'm on an equal playing field with everybody else. I no longer have to be condemned because of my past. I no longer have to be disqualified because of what I went through. I no longer have to be disqualified because of the parents that I had, the situations that I've had. I am made new because of Christ. So then we look around the room and we go, we are all sons and daughters of God. Regardless of where, who came from, backgrounds, lifestyles, we're so quick to judge on those things, but we are all children of God, right? So now I am a, a ruler, I reign, it says that I'm an heir to the throne of grace, that, that I am a child of God, that he loved me so much and I made that choice to say, okay, I'm a child of God. Again, it's a choice, and we're getting to family in a minute. I just have to lay a foundation so that we know. Everybody say, I have a choice. Okay, I have the choice. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. And it says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God. You were bought at a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When I say yes to Jesus, I'm saying, God, I choose to live in submission to you and your word. I choose to live with you on the throne of my life. I choose to live and put you first. So I made that decision. Now, I still have to make a daily decision. The Bible says to walk out your own salvation. I still have to make a decision on a daily basis to say, I choose to live according to the word. I choose to respond according to the word. I choose, we still have to do that. Yes, we chose Christ. But now what I'm gonna show you is we have one more choice that's given to us every single day. So Adam and Eve chose sin. That's where it came into the world. We chose Jesus. Now we're all on an equal playing field. Now this is where it gets different. Okay. We have the choice every single day to say yes to Jesus and no to our flesh. Every single day we have that choice because some of us can look around the room and go, I think God likes them more than me. 
I think I see God's favor on their marriage. I see God's favor on their family. I see God working in their life. Why isn't he working for me? I'm praying too. I'm, you don't know the price they paid for God working in their life that way. You have no clue what they've given up, the relationships they've said no to, the things that they've said no to in their life, the time that they have set aside to pursue God. And again, this message is about us. It's not about anybody else. And we spend so much time comparing ourselves to every other person. We miss what God wants to do in us because we're so upset about what he's not doing in everybody else or is doing in everybody else. And so we take the time to say, what does God want to do in me? And the, the decision is with us. Okay, never in here does it say, um, you were bought at a price, but based on your family's values and core beliefs, you can attempt to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are kind of God's and kind of yours, depending on who you want to give them to. That is not what that scripture says. It is not determined based on where you came from, what your current situation is. You have the choice. There also isn't a choice when you receive Jesus. Like, could you please bring me a list of everything you've done wrong and I'll let you know if you qualify. I'll also need your, you know, credit report and you know, we don't need that. God says, no, you're qualified because you said yes. Because you chose me, you're qualified. And it's the same every single day. We don't have pre-qualifications in order to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Okay, so how do we do that? When you take this, this choice thing one step farther. And so we're gonna look at Galatians 5, 16 in the Amplified. And it says, but I say, so we have two things. I want to say this before we, we go. We have the choice every day. We can feed our spirit or we can feed our, our flesh. There's two beings on the inside of us. We can feed our spirit or we can feed our flesh. And whichever one we feed is the one that is the dominating decision maker in our life. It is the backing for how we're going to respond to people. It's the backing for our feelings. It's the backing to how we treat the people around us and respond to the people around us. We feed our spirit or we feed our flesh. It's on us. Everybody say, I have a choice. You have the choice to feed your spirit or feed your flesh, that, or flesh, flesh, whichever. Um, it's not on anybody else. It is not the responsibility of your parents. It is not the responsibility of your spouse. It is not the responsibility of anybody in your life to feed your spirit or feed your flesh. It is your responsibility. And so if you want to do it, then you receive the blessing and the favor of God. If you do not, then you don't. Anything that we do that is outside of God, Anything that is contrary to the word, anything outside of God is sin. It separates us from God. It doesn't draw us closer to God. And so we have flesh, we have spirit. We track in, that's our choice every single day. All right. But I say walk and live habitually, not just once. Okay, not just once. This means repetitively. Habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Spirit. Okay, they hate each other. Sum that up. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the doings and the practices of the flesh are clear. They are obvious, and we're not gonna go on from there because that goes on for a really long time, but write down in your notes to read through 26. 
And that's gonna give you, this is what it looks like to be living in the flesh. This is what happens when I make a daily decision to feed my flesh. This is what fruit I will produce. This is what happens when I choose to make a daily decision to feed my spirit. This is the fruit that I will produce. And so it's gonna give you those um, in that in that section there. But for time's sake, we're not gonna read all the way through. So we have a choice. Okay, these two hate each other. One is my flesh, which is my sin nature, which is outside of God, Right? And one is my spirit. Well, here's what happens. We feed our flesh, we feed our flesh, we feed our flesh, we feed our flesh, and we wonder why we don't see God's blessings. But we know the word. I know what God's word says. I know, and, I, and I'm, I'm praying the word sometimes, but we're not ever choosing to feed our spirit to the point that every decision I make is lined up with the word of God. Every word that comes out of my mouth is lined up with the word of God. Every, instead, it's I'm feeding my flesh, feeding my flesh, responding in the flesh, praying for forgiveness, responding in my flesh, praying for forgiveness because we feed our flesh. Okay, there's two, two people on the inside of us. Who are we feeding? One is the flesh and one will be the spirit. The one dominating is the one we're feeding. But again, what do we say? I have the choice. Everybody say it. I have the choice. All right, we have the choice. Let's go on just a just a minute here. I want to, let's read it. Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Okay, we're actually going to start in verse 3. Sorry, 6-3. For if anyone thinks of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Okay, so that makes each of us responsible for our own actions, correct? Okay, I'm responsible for me. That said nothing about me being responsible for Oren's actions. That said, I'm responsible for me. I want to break this down for us. I made the decision to say yes to Jesus. Daily, Shelby has the decision. She has the choice to say yes to the flesh or yes to the spirit. I can feed my spirit with the word. I can feed, I can say no I'm not going to respond according to my flesh. I don't care what I feel. This is what the word says. I can choose to do that daily or I can choose to live based on my own emotions and feelings. Every day, Shelby has that choice. Okay, here it says, regardless of my actions, regardless of whatever, I'm responsible for me. Okay, have we laid that foundation? We all on the same page? Everybody say, I have the choice. Okay, God sent Jesus to die so that we could restore relationship with him. In Matthew, it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then it says to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, in Matthew, it says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then later on in 1 John, it says that do not love in word, but love in deed, meaning love in action, Put action to what you know, because so many of us can know the word. You can quote me the Bible, but you're living none of it. I see no character of God in your life because you can quote it, but you can't live it. How do you respond when everything's going on? You can quote me, don't worry, don't be anxious. You can quote me, don't fear, but when it's going on, 
Is our, is our spirit man the one that's taken over? Or is it our flesh that's taken over? Which one are we feeding? Because we can know a lot of things and not walk them out. It says that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God, right? But then faith without works is dead. So I hear the word and now I'm gonna put faith in action. And what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, not, uh, of things not seen, or in like little kid language, it's believing without seeing, okay? So faith is I believe that God is gonna do what he said he's gonna do in his word, even though I don't see it right now, right? So faith without works is dead. So I'm gonna step out in faith based on what I learned, what I know, and I'm gonna watch it happen. And when I'm walking in faith, and God can release the blessing and the favor in my life because he's saying, you're walking out what my word says. You're walking out in obedience. But again, we're talking to us, not everybody else. Now, this series we're talking about is Family Matters, and I wanted to lay that foundation before we get into the rest of this. Because family really does matter. And God loves our families. He loves us as a unit. He loves family as a unit. But here's what happens. Is that in the family unit, it is everybody else's responsibility for my spiritual life. It is everybody else's fault. We always have an excuse for our actions. We always have an excuse for how we respond. We always have an excuse for blowing off the handle. We always have an excuse for the situation that we're in. Because it's everybody else around us, their fault. Because it's very easy for me when I'm not focused on what God's doing in me, when I'm not focused on my relationship with God, to point out everything wrong in my husband. When I'm not focused on me first. Again, the Bible says he's supposed to be a spiritual leader of our home. That does not mean he's responsible for my spiritual life. And that's where it gets mixed up. The last few weeks we've been talking about Marriage and my dad has talked about the word um, submission and submitting. And ladies, I want to tell you from a wife's perspective, from a lady's perspective, that yes, that has been misused as a very derogatory term and a very um, just controlling term. But I want to tell you it's not that. That's not how God created that word. Everything that God created in here is for our good. Everything that God created. It's not overpowering. It's not mean. It's God saying, yes, men rule women. No, that was because of the fall. When the fall of man took place, it said that man would rule over his wife. And it said that wife, that, that she would long after her husband. And when you translate what, out what that means, that means that I no longer have a desire for God. I have a desire for my husband. And I desire him before I desire God. Okay, that's what the fall of man looks like. Does that make sense? And we see that in our world. We see that as women, we, we long for the uh, respect and the love from our husbands. And then we see as men that it's very much so this this thing, I'm not saying all men, I'm saying in general. We, we know, we can agree that that's kind of how things have gone. Okay, so submission is never meant to be that way. Never meant to be that way. Here's what it means. And back to what we've just been talking about. I, Shelby, okay, have the decision every single day to work my relationship with Christ out. Every single day I can grow in my relationship with Christ. Not for the reason of God fix my husband, not for the reason of God fix my parents, God fix my kids, God, not for that reason. God fix me. God, take care of me. Because when I do that, what it's doing is it's bringing Shelby in alignment and in submission to God. Here's what that doesn't do, okay? This doesn't say, um, so I was spending time in prayer and I'm more spiritual than you because you haven't been spending your time in prayer. And this is um, what God told me to tell, me, tell you, so I'm not supposed to submit to you right now because you're out of God's will. And that's what we do as women, right? That's what we do as husband and wife. You're not submitted to God's will, so I'm not in agreement with you. 
Okay, do you see that we miss the whole honor factor there? But first and foremost, God calls us to honor each other. And not just husband and wife, people in general. And so how this works is that God works on my heart. And I go, okay, I honor God. And because I honor God, I honor my husband. I can't change my husband. I can't change my kids. I can't change my parents. I can't change my boss. I can't change my coworker. I have no power over anybody. But you know who does? God. And when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, when I'm walking where I'm supposed to walk, then God works through me to my husband. It's not me whining to God and just, God, my husband this, my husband this, my husband this, my wife that, my wife this, my kids this, my boss this. We spend so much time on that level of things. All we're doing is making ourselves more angry about the situation. Instead of saying, God, change my heart. And then we watch because that's faith. That's what we just talked about. That I choose to submit to God. And because I choose and I have honor for God, that I know that God, what God can do through me is more powerful than what people can do to me, which means that when I submit to God and I submit to my husband in a healthy way, he's not bossy, he's not lording over me. But when I submit to him in a healthy way, then God gives his protection, God gives his grace, God gives his blessing and his favor on our marriage and God will minister to the heart of my husband. That was never my job. My job was never to change my husband. My job was to change me. My responsibility here never says anything about changing anybody around us. It says that you're a light, that God will shine through you. It says that you're salt, that people will taste the flavor of God. It says that you were all these things that never said change the person next to you. You don't have the power. Yeah, you not have the power. I do not have the power to change my husband. I don't have the power to change circumstances that have happened to me, but I do have the ability to surrender to God and change me. I do have the ability to say, God, what do you want to do in me? That's the power that we have, not the power to change the people around us. I will say this from a, um, I want to talk about just different levels of of ways that we honor God and, and how we train our families and within our families, but as individuals, that we choose our relationship with God before any other, before anything else. I can't be, my job is to be the best wife that I can be, despite what is going on. Okay, I have a great husband, I keep pointing at him. It's just example, I'm not being mean like, well, I'm preaching to him, I'm not doing that, I promise. Um, despite what is happening, I need us to get this, despite what is going on, my responsibility is to pursue my relationship with Christ and to be the best wife that I can be. I can't be the best wife. I can't be the wife that God has created me to be if I'm not first the child of God that he has told me to be. Okay, I can't be who I'm supposed to be for people around me if I'm not who I'm supposed to be in Christ first. Does that make sense? It does not say I can do all things through Orin who strengthens me. No, I can do all things through Shelby who strengthens me. It doesn't say that. It says through Christ. And so we have to make the conscious decision that says my relationship with Christ is of utmost importance because I cannot be the employee. I cannot be the mom. I cannot be the wife. I cannot be the grandparent. I cannot be the parent. I cannot be anything that I am supposed to be outside of my relationship with Christ. Because here's what happens. Anything that you are outside of a relationship with Christ is in your own strength that is separated from God and it will lead to disunity. Anything to disunity. Nothing, nothing that we do that's in Christ will bring disunity. Does that make sense? Nothing. 
I said this first service, but the word united and the word untied have the exact same letters. The only difference is where we put the I. If I put my agenda, that I, in front of God's agenda, then I bring disunity and we become untied instead of united. When I, I is where it's supposed to be in relationship with God, then we remain united. Our families, our employees, our workplaces. Does that make sense? And so let's look at kids for a minute. I want to look at, and I'm not going to tell you because I have kids. I don't have kids. I have all your kids every Sunday and Wednesday. I do not have my own. But I will tell you from the kids' perspective. That's the, the, the perspective that I'm going to give you on this as far as having that relationship with God. Because that's the precedence I want to set is my relationship with God is so important and I'm responsible for me. Everybody say, I have the choice. Okay. From the kids' perspective, okay, I was raised, very blessed to be raised in an amazing home. But I will tell you this from the kids' perspective. From when I was very little, honor was instilled in my life. Honor. But not just honor for my parents, not just because they said so, but what they did is they were very careful to teach me from a very young age, from the age that I could understand. I mean, there was discipline before that, obviously, um, before understanding, but from the age that I could understand, they taught me that not just honor for them, but honor for God. They taught me from when I was little to cultivate that relationship with God. When I was really little, the correction would be, it's not that you don't lie because I don't like it. It's we don't lie because it dishonors God. And God, when you dishonor God, you bring dishonor on your life. Do you see the difference? It could be my rules or it could be we have an honor for the word of God in our home. Because what that did, and I'll tell you from the, the kids' perspective coming up, is that I didn't have to be around my parents to know that honor was important. I remember one situation, and this is just a silly situation. My brother was very, very little, <clears throat> And my uncle tried to pay him to take a super soaker in while my dad was preaching and shoot him with a super soaker. Okay, like, good laugh, hilarious, everything's great, right? Okay, my brother knew immediately, not my mom's going to kill me. I mean, that probably crossed his mind first. It wasn't an unholy thought. It was very righteous. Um, but he was immediately convicted knowing that's dishonor. He was little. He was very little. But because not just because I'm going to get in trouble, but because that's dishonor. And so when we moved, when we went to school, we, we were homeschooled until I was in sixth grade, my last year homeschooling. And then I went to junior high and public school. Hey, my parents didn't have to be there for me to honor my teachers, for me to honor the people around me because honor or dishonor was unacceptable. And not just because they said so, because they taught me that when you dishonor an authority in your life, then you bring dishonor on your life. But they taught us to have, from a very young age, they taught us to have this conviction that said, no, I'm sensitive to the spirit inside of me. That regardless of how I feel about this person, I'm sensitive because I will honor and dishonor is not acceptable. And so that's what they taught us from when we were little. Well, I wanna tell you that I'm not, not, and that's where I don't want to get it wrong. Like, hey, the girl that doesn't have kids is telling us how to parent. That is not what I'm doing. I'm telling you how it affected my life up until now. So then in high school, this, the, because they taught me to cultivate a relationship with God on my own, and my parents made it very clear, 
My relationship with Christ is not your relationship with Christ. I can't serve God for you, Shelby. I can't make decisions for Christ for you, Shelby. It doesn't matter how far I go spiritually, Shelby. You have to make the choice. And I understand like little guys, I mean, they get to the point, you guys know what I'm talking about. They make the choice and everything, but we're accountable for our decisions. I mean, I got spanked when I was 16 years old. You guys can all laugh. I'm not abused. Don't call child services. I'm a parent. Okay. I got spanked when I was 16 years old. Okay. I drove my pickup and I was leaving with some friends and my dad said, Hey, Shelby, what time are you going to be home? And I said, don't you think I'm old enough to make that decision? I mean, don't you think I was old enough to make that decision? Okay. That was my response. Okay. That was absolutely dishonorable. I was trying to be cool in front of my friends. I got spanked in front of my friends. I never made that decision again. Okay. It was not good. 16 years old. Okay. There's still discipline, but to this day, there's still an honor from my parents. My parents were never controlling. My parents are not in my business, but there's an honor for my parents and who they are. They know when I get home, when I'm coming home from a trip, they know when I'm leaving. They know what's going on. There's just a, it's just an honor. I never in my entire life said, I can't wait to turn 18. I'm going to do what I want because it wasn't about rules. It was about a relationship with God, a relationship with my parents, but I wasn't friend and buddy, buddy with my mom to where she couldn't correct me. There was an honor that she was my mom. My mom and I have a great relationship, but there was an honor because it was instilled when I was little that we honor authority, that we honor God. But first and foremost, that relationship with God being so, so, so important from the time that I was little. It, dishonoring authority, it didn't matter what authority, it didn't matter what teacher or coach wronged us, dishonor was unacceptable. Now, could we handle a situation like, yeah, absolutely, in an honorable way. Never was dishonor acceptable. It was always done through honor. Well, then that carries over to having my own convictions in high school to where crossing lines with a guy was never an option for me. It never even crossed my mind because my parents taught me your conviction with Christ, your relationship with Christ. And so by the time I got to high school, it wasn't about what my parents did or didn't find out. It wasn't about who, who knew what was going on or who was around so I wouldn't make a bad decision. It wasn't that. It was never an option for me because I was not going to dishonor my God. And I went to college. My parents didn't go with me. I went by myself, okay? They were not there. I never went to a college party. I never messed around. I went to school. Why? I was not gonna dishonor God. I was not gonna dishonor my relationship with God because I know that when I set myself up to honor God, then God honors me and there's favor on my life and there's blessing on my life and there's wisdom on my life and there's joy and there's peace and there's strength to walk through things. But I can't do that if it was just my own strength. I can't do that had I been feeding my flesh. I can't do that if I was just shirt telling on my parents' relationship with God. I mean, I'm a pastor's kid. Like of all the kids in the entire world, I'm the one that's supposed to mess up the most. <laughs> like that's like the typical PK, right? But my parents, it was different because they taught me the honor for God. It was never to dishonor. Um, referees was another one. Referees are an authority on the floor. I know you all despise them, but they are the authority on the floor. You might disagree with their call. You are not a referee, okay? But what we do is when we dishonor the referees that are on the floor, we teach our kids to dishonor authority. And when we dishonor the referees on the floor, okay, I've been a ref. I'm not just saying that because I'm like vouching for refs. I am a CHASA certified high school official. 
and I've been a ref. We don't make all the right calls. Do you make all the right calls? Hey, one time we were coaching this game and this coach is like, ref, 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 ref. You missed that, you missed that, you missed that, you missed that. So I walked over and I said, girls, I want you to spread out and run five out. And he looked at me and I was like, oh, I thought we switched roles. I'm sorry. And it, <laughs> but it was just a fun and good laugh and we're great friends. But there's an honor that you have towards authority, even if you disagree with him. There's an honor. My dad said, you look at a ref funny, you bounce a ball at them funky, you dishonor them, I will have your uniform before your coach can sub you out. Why? Because my dad's mean? No, because he taught me honor. And then what that also did was it eliminated the excuse that the referees lost us to the game because I had the choice to do things different, right? And so teaching our kids to honor. Um, going forward from there, just honor, honor, honor. And then if we look at our marriages, okay? I have the choice in my marriage so many times, so many fights, there's so many hurtful words that are spoken. There's so many times that, okay, girls' nights to like get together just to gossip about your spouse, not okay. Not okay. Because when you speak dishonor about your spouse to someone else, you give them the right to dishonor and then you bring dishonor on your marriage. Not okay. And so us, that I have the choice, I have the choice. I will not gossip about my husband. I will not speak negative about my husband. And I have that decision. He could be the worst husband in the world. That does not give me a right to be unrighteous. That does not give me a right to say, God, um, turns out what you did for me, turns out what you can do through me isn't important because this is how I feel right now. And I'm gonna go ahead and dishonor what you've given me. It is never in the word of God when it says don't let idle words come, when it says that not to speak evil, when it says to overcome evil with good, when it says to not let any corrupt word, when it says that you're accountable for every word that comes out of your mouth, it's not just in peachy situations. It's in all situations. When we're, if we have a disagreement, okay, it's very easy in a marriage because we pretend that we're playing battleship instead of like being on the same team. And you're just like trying to bomb each other's cruisers all the time. It's, it's not a game of battleship. We're on the same team. And it can be so easy if we have a disagreement for me to just blow off the handle and say something. Is that accepted? Well, you should have heard what he said. How do you know it's not acceptable for me to talk this way to my spouse? How do you know I can't be sarcastic? How do you know I shouldn't be coarse jesting with my spouse? Why? Because I have the choice. And I'm accountable for my relationship with God. And it's not dependent on what other people do to me. It is solely dependent on what Jesus did for me and what God will do through me. It's not dependent on how I'm treated. Now, I know that there's awful situations. I know that we've walked through things. I know that. I've been there. It still does not change the word of God. God's word remains the same for all of us. Every single one of us, it's the same. I don't have the choice. And I will tell you from a, a kid's perspective again, that my parents, my parents are not perfect. And that's not why I, I say any of this, but I have never heard my parents be sarcastic with each other. I'm 27 years old. I've never heard them be sarcastic with each other. I've never heard them coarse joke with each other. I've um, always watched them in complete honor, speak to each other and about each other. Never have one of my parents dishonored each other in front of me. Never once. And if I thought I could get away with dishonoring one of them, the other one like 
trachea snatched me or something. Like, I didn't even know what happened. Like, I was like, you're a ninja? (sighs) But there was never dishonor spoken in our home. There was never dishonor. I wasn't allowed to dishonor my brother. Why? Not because they just wanted us to get along, but because we honored our relationship with Christ and any dishonor is dishonor. But speaking dishonor about our spouse, speaking dishonor, all it does is breed more dishonor and it removes God's blessing from your marriage. And I don't say that as a marriage expert. I say that because I've seen it work in the word of God where I'm without excuse. It's very easy to make excuses based on what we've walked through, where we've come from, the kind of families that we've had, um, based on how we're treated by our spouse. It's very easy to make those decisions. It does not give you the right to dishonor. There's There's no right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, in this situation, you may dishonor. And I know that comes across hard. I know that comes across very convicting and challenging, but it's what the word says. And it's in a protective way that I'm accountable for my relationship with Christ. Everybody say, I have the choice. I have the choice to speak to my husband or to speak to my wife with honor. Now, here's the other thing that happens. When I choose to honor, even if we're in a disagreement, when I choose to only speak of honor, that I don't lose it and blow off the handle and freak out because I'm expected to and I have the right to, when I don't do that, when I choose that, you know what? My relationship with God is very important to me. And because what God can do in me, God gives me more power to respond righteously than to react unrighteously. And so because I've been feeding that spirit, then I can, I can have good communication. I can respond righteously. But here's the other thing it does is then it gives wisdom. It gives wisdom to, to figure out what you're walking through. It gives wisdom to figure out, hey, let's handle this situation this way. The other thing it does is that it brings God's blessing that maybe your spouse doesn't believe. Maybe you're on two different ends of the spectrum right now. That's fine. You worry about you. That my relationship with Christ, what God is doing in me, what God is doing through me, I can't change my spouse. I can't change my kids, but I can change me. And God will give me wisdom. But then the other thing it does is it allows God to work through me because here's what happens. Remember that love isn't done in word, but it's done in deed. We can say a lot of things and then turn around and say, I love you. Do we mean it? Do we show it? But when I show that I'm submitted to God and I'm still going to honor you, what it does is it goes, you know what? God can work in my heart that way too. And God can work in the life of your spouse. God can work in the life of your family. God can work in the life of your situation. But first and foremost, we have to take the responsibility. I have the daily choice. I can't be the wife I'm supposed to be outside of my relationship with God. I cannot do it. It brings disunity. That means that I'm relying on my own feelings, which are usually not wonderful. Um, I'm relying on my own emotions. I'm relying on my own thoughts. I'm relying on my own perspective. Whereas when I'm aligned with God, when I honor God first, then there's wisdom that says, you know, maybe there's a different perspective to this. Maybe I am the one that needs to change. (laughs) It's a crazy thought. Don't think about it too long. It will hurt. But maybe I am the one that was wrong. Maybe I, but then it also gives grace. And even if you are the one that wrong, that you say, you know what? I was wrong. And that's what God does. He works through you and there's grace. 
that covers that. And this, again, this is not just for marriages. If you are single, you have the best opportunity ever before your spouse steals all your time that you can just honor God and have that time for this relationship with God. I used to, it's kind of an inside joke with us, every night, because I'm a night person, I do not do mornings. So I sleep in like right until I have to go somewhere. And then at night, every night, that's when I would work out. And then that's when I would spend my time in the word. And I just had this wonderful flow. Okay, Oren's not a night person. Okay, so it's like, no, we need to eat dinner and, and go to bed. And so <laughs> I told him we were married for about six months. And I was like, so you've stolen Jesus from me and made me fat. I have no time to work out and I have no spiritual life because of your sleep schedule. Okay, And so that's the inside joke there. So if you are single, this is a great opportunity for you to build your own conviction. This is a great opportunity for you to say, I choose to daily make a decision to spend time in the word that I'm going to feed my spirit. I'm not going to feed my flesh. And you build that now. You watch the honor and the favor and the blessing. You watch the spouse that you get out of that. And so you watch what God can do and bring in your life because you chose to honor him first. Every one of us in this room has a choice. Every one of us. And we can watch God move in our situation. But here's the thing. I'm going to go back to faith. We never apply faith to marriages. But here's what happens. You have to let go and let God. You have to let go and say, God, I know what you can do through me is greater than what anybody can do to me. And I'm surrendering and I'm submitting to you and I'm saying, God, take over. I want you to change me. I want you to minister to me. I want to be the man or the woman that you have called me to be. And when we're so focused on that, you have no idea what he's working in your spouse because your focus changed. You can't just focus on the negative. Then we're focused on what God's doing in me. And when we're so focused on what God can do with us and the grace that he can give us on a daily basis, then we can't help but notice the grace that he can give to our spouse and our family and our kids and the people around us and coworkers and authorities and whatever else that may be that when we choose to honor Christ first, anything out of honoring Christ first is separated from God and it will bring disunity and it will bring dishonor. Anything out of Christ first. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't, we can't change people. Only Jesus can do that. But we've got to let him change us first. We're never called to change anybody else. Will you stand with me?